bad place. Jeremiah, I mean, Lamentations, chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, how doeth the city sit desolate? Solid, how, does, how doeth the city sit solitary? That was full of people. How is she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations and princes among the provident, how is she become tributary? Father, I pray now that you would bless as we study your word tonight. Help us, Lord, to get out of our minds everything else that we are involved in. Lord, there's going to be some things going on after church, some tomorrow, some things that happen today. But Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would center our attention tonight, now for the next few minutes, on your word, and may the Holy Spirit deal with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I do appreciate you coming tonight. <clears throat> appreciate you being here. The church is really, this church, is really being blessed of God. I, I, I trust that you know that, don't you? You are living <clears throat> what most people that are saved dream of, pray for, and hope to ever be a part of. You are being a part of it. You are living the experience of God's hand on God's man in God's church with God's ministry. And because of that, you are being blessed. Folks getting saved, you're growing in the Lord, and a church like this can help turn the tide of the judgment of God if we just get involved and do some things that you and I could do under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So as we look at Lamentation tonight, Jeremiah sits down and I think these five chapters in the book of Lamentation are actually five sermons of a, five funeral sermons, if you would. You can take each chapter, it is a funeral service and a funeral sermon about the nation Judah, the city of Jerusalem, God's people. A good preacher, J. Vernon McGee, said about the book of Lamentation. He said, it is a book of tears and sorrow, a poem of pity, a proverb of pathos, a hymn of heartbreak, a psalm of sadness, a symphony of sorrow, a story of sifting. He went on to say that the book of Lamentation is the wailing wall of the Bible. Jeremiah is a very sympathetic, sincere, sensitive, tender, yet a real, strong Bible preacher. Now, I, I tried to get your mind on the fact that you are being blessed of God. Have you ever seen many pastors and preachers, and, and he, he has no idea what I was going to preach on or talk about tonight, but have you ever seen many pastors or preachers anywhere where the blessings of God was on their life, like on Brother Malcolm, and how genuine this guy is? And, and yet, at the same time, is a strong reality Bible preacher 
down to the book, book, chapter, and verse, word by word, while you are being blessed of God, and you ought to thank God for that. Jeremiah was that kind of preacher. <laughs> Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because whenever he sits down and he sees what has happened to the city of Jerusalem and the temple, he begins to weep and he begins to cry and he begins to care. He feels sympathetic about what has taken place and what is taking place. And when we look at America tonight, folks, we ought to feel the same kind of sadness. Do you realize how far the other way and the wrong way that America has come over the last 50, 75, or 100 years? It is a sad state of affairs. Just look at the things that are taking place today. Your grandmothers, granddaddies, your mamas and daddies, many of you, would have never believed that America would ever be at the point that America is. But Temple Baptist can make a difference in this community and literally around the world. And by the grace of God, you are touching people around the world and across this nation of ours. And I praise God for that. Jesus wept over Jerusalem and seeing what was coming. Jeremiah is weeping over Jerusalem, seeing what has already happened. And whenever Jerusalem uh, fell and plunged into the destruction that we find it in, it was not overnight that this happened. People begin to be uh, lackadaisical. They begin to be uh, unconcerned. And if you read the book of uh, Jeremiah, you find that there's, there's one word in the entire book of Jeremiah that describes why judgment came on the city. You know what that word is? It is a word that the people would not listen. They would not listen. Jeremiah says it over and over in the, the book of Jeremiah that the people would hear, but they would not heed. They would hear, but they would not listen. And the people would not listen. Our problem in most of our churches, most of our lives, most of our families, and around our, our country is that we know what to do. We know how people ought to live. We know that we ought to listen to the Word of God. And like the kids were in here earlier before the church service started, learning the Word of God and memorizing Scripture. Do you have any idea how valuable that is to our nation? And if we're ever going to hand them a place that they can freely raise their children, if Jesus doesn't come back first, we need to tighten our belts up and to listen to the preaching and the leadership of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Jeremiah said the problem was the people would not listen. In America today, I think our problem is that we, uh, we have fallen into a dark age just like uh, Judah did, and we recognize it very slowly. I think that a lot of times if a nation goes into a dark age or into a, a real judgment of God, we don't even recognize that we're being judged by God or that God is bringing judgment on us. It's so gradual and we begin to get so used to whatever's going on and we just think that's normal. But today, folks, do you and I understand 
what brings a nation into a dark age? It is whenever those that hate God do not believe the Bible, do not believe in the basic moral fibers and factors of the United States begin to get together and begin to rule and to reign in power over a nation and they bring about the judgment of God on a nation. But God says that his judgment will first start at the house of God. So we need to get our act together before we, we, we'll never clean up Washington till we clean up the church house. And that is the truth. Education in America has become everything that you can imagine. And to sum it up, it's just secular humanism in our educational system. There was at a time whenever I went to school, we never had a question about this. I knew whenever I got to the schoolhouse, one thing, that the teachers and the principal were in charge. I also knew that if I passed any adults on the way to the schoolhouse, they were in charge. And if they told me, walk on the other side of the street, I didn't call the NAACP. I just got myself on the other side. I'm about messed up. I, I just got myself on the other side of the street and walked on the other side of the street because I had respect for those in authority. Today, the schools are run by thugs and everybody else and that the teachers and those that are ought to be in authority and in charge, they don't have any authority and don't, don't show any ability to be in charge. And because of that, we have secular humanism coming into our schools and teaching our kids and they're anti-God and they're anti-Bible. And folks, Jeremiah saw this happen in Jerusalem and it fell into a, uh, a, a dark age and history says that there was almost, for hundreds of years, no literature, no literature written. There was no music. There was no arts. Because in that time, it was all but void of everything that God uses to create a vibrant nation and people. Our educational system uh, for 800, is in a mess. But for 8,000 years... In recorded history of mankind, it has never been a question in anybody's mind. Everybody accepted that marriage was between a man and a woman. We have come so far that now we have changed history and our laws now say that it is between two people. God <clears throat> is going to judge us if we're not careful. We're headed into a place and a time, I believe, in America that we're just that far away from churches being taxed. In fact, there are churches today that are fighting lawsuits for every inch of their property where they are not having a church quote-unquote service. The educational building, the recreation building, the playgrounds, any of that where the service is not actually held, they're trying to tax that property. We are headed into a dark age in America. Terrorists are attacking us on every side. You cannot go to bed and wake up in the morning and go through a day without hearing something about 
Somebody is attacking somebody in America. Somebody is being shot. Some woman is being raped. Some kid is being captured. Why, if you, you have that alert on your phone, you get it all the time. Those amber alerts for some idiot has kidnapped a child. And usually, if, if they catch the, the fella, they slap him on the hand and they want to give him a psycho, psychological evaluation. What he needs to be done is shot and then buried. And <clears throat> we... We need to quit being politically correct and be biblically correct. And God may not judge us as he did uh, Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, as you know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on in America. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 10, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised. Remember I told you a while ago, the problem was that the people didn't know better. It was not that Jeremiah was not preaching to them. It was not they were not getting the word of God. They were listening to the word. Of, they, they were hearing the word of God, but they were not listening to the word of God. They were not taking it in and building their lives on it and reacting to it. He goes on to say they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. How many people do you know today that the preaching of the word of God is a reproach to them. It is not honored, it's not respected, and it's not loved like it ought to be. They have no delight in it. Jeremiah 6, 14 says, They have healed also the hurt of the children of my people, slightly saying, and listen to this. This is right in the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14. Jeremiah is talking about and prophesying, trying to get the people to listen and to understand they need to come back to God, they need to get right with God, and he says there are those out there that are saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. I heard her say it. Hillary said, the borders of the United States are secure. Gee, I'm glad she told us. You can't tell it any other way. They're saying peace, peace, peace. You hear television programs and church programs on television and radio all the time where the preacher is saying everything's going to be all right. Well, I'm telling you, folks, the only way to heaven is not by believing everything's going to be all right. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That means nobody, whether you're from Florida or New York or wherever you are, you need to be born again to get into the family of God. You've got to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the payment for your sin. There is no other way. I'm telling you, the answer to heaven is not peace, peace, peace. We need somebody to stand up and to say, except ye be born again, you will all likewise perish. Amen. In verse 16 of the same chapter, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good, where the good way, and where is the good way, and walk therein. What Jeremiah is saying, look here. Living life, and being progressive is all right. But don't lose the old ways. Don't lose 
the things that God has brought us and taught us. Did, did you know that there, there's, a, there's a lot of people that just need to be reminded of the old ways? Do, do, you, do any of you remember whenever you would walk into the schoolhouse and you knew without a shadow of a doubt that they were going to have the American flag standing in the school? You were going to come in and whenever the teacher said, you were going to stand up, put your right hand over your heart, and you were going to say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Jeremiah said we need to go back to the old paths. And then let me tell you something else. You know what that woman would have or man would have the nerve to do? They'd break out the Word of God and hold it right there and begin to read. And begin to read the Bible. And let me tell you something. I went to school, high school, or, or, or from, you know, when I started first grade to the to I graduated for 12 years not one time did any daddy ever come down there and want to jump on a teacher for wanting us to salute the the flag and read the bible and then she would have bless god the nerve to stand up and pray in the classroom on public property that my daddy was helping pay for amen and Jeremiah said, now you need to go back to the good ways. Go back to the old paths. We don't need to get out of that. We need to understand that and to love that and to enjoy that. Uh, in uh, the, the rest of that verse, he says, And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But, the Bible says, they said, we will not walk therein. I'm telling you that the problem is they would not listen. Jeremiah said, I have preached to you, but you will not listen. I think that's why Jeremiah got so discouraged in the ministry that he went out into the wilderness and the word of God says that he wanted to give up on even preaching because the people would not listen. And he said, I think what I'll do is I'll just build me a house for wayfaring men. What he said is, I want to go into motel business out here in the middle of nowhere, and I'll just deal with people that are passing by. I'll give them a place to sleep or I'll rent them a place to sleep and maybe some kind of vittles, and then I'll just forget it. But God had a fire down inside him, and he couldn't do that because God had led him to have a desire to make the people listen and to hear. Do you know and understand why all this drama stuff is so that you can get the people to listen and to get them to hear what the message of the Word of God is saying, where you can bring it alive to them and teach them the things of God. In uh, the, the Bible, in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 17 through 19, also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. I'm telling you, they were getting to hear it, they were getting information, but they wouldn't listen. Now, how many of you women can relate to this? You give your husband good information. You give him good instruction, but he does not listen. Over and over. I'm coming this day from Brother Smitty, Miss Edna's house, and I'm coming down 65. I do know where this exit is on 65. 
But about that time, my wife says, you should have turned right there. Like most women, she was right. But she was late with her information. Now, that's very seldom. But Jeremiah was not late with his information. He was telling them. He was giving them warning. But they would not listen to the warning. They would not take heed to what he had to say. Therefore, hear ye, nation, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor my law, but rejected it. Brethren, do you and I live in a country that is standing in jeopardy of being judged by God? Does not America sound just like that? We know, we hear, but they will not listen. So point number one, the grief that is expressed by Jeremiah. In verse number one of chapter one, he says how? Jeremiah is not asking for a blueprint. He's not saying, God, give me a blueprint of uh, four inches this way and nine inches this way and four foot up this way. Jeremiah is saying, how did we ever get to this point? How did it happen? He's standing there, and even though he had been preaching and teaching and hearing from God, he was still amazed and puzzled at how did we get here? How in the world did America get to where America is today? There was a time in, in your life and in my life, and I remember the very first time as a boy, I think I was in the sixth grade or either the summer between the sixth grade and the seventh grade of school, I was going on my first vacation. We were going to take a vacation. My daddy went to the hardware store and bought a lock to put on the front door of our house. We had been living there since I was a year old, and he had never put a lock on the door. Daddy's opinion was there ain't no need in locking it. There's nobody that around here would come and take anything that's not there. But we're going to go off for a week, and Mama says, you got to lock the door up. Another woman running something right now. And, uh, and Mama said, you got to get a lock and lock the door up. But today, folks, if you get out of your car to go pay for gas at a service station, you better be careful because if you're not careful, somebody's going to grab your pocketbook, ladies, or somebody's going to knock you in the head with a hammer and grab your car and run off with it. If the door's not locked, you can't leave anything for anybody to be able to get to. Wow, have we come a long ways in America. And it ought not to be that way. How, Jeremiah says, did this ever come about? How doeth the city set solitary? that it was full of people. How is she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations and princes among the providence, how is she become tributary? Jeremiah looks at the city of uh, uh, Jerusalem and the nation of Judah, and he says, she's like a widow woman. You're like a widow woman. 
He says, how in the world did you ever get to this place? He said, you're desolate. You're there by yourself. You have no companions. And on and on he goes. So if we take now the word of God and look at it for a few minutes, the grief that, that is expressed here is Jeremiah's grief over the nation of Judah not being willing to listen to what God had been teaching them and preaching to them. In verse number one, he says, she was, uh, her, her abundance is lost. He says, we had everything. She that was great among the nations and the providence uh, and, and princes among the providence. Now is she become tributary. Her abundance was gone. We have had in America all kind of blessings from God. We have been a very blessed people. I um, just recently, uh, God blessed us. We were able to get us a fifth wheel that is, I think, very nice. It was not a new one, but it was only three years old, and I, I was thrilled to death over it. And you're living in very nice homes. You're driving very nice cars. America is blessed. You probably paid more for your clothes, one outfit, than your mom and daddy's paid for two or three or four or five outfits in their time. Yet America is 18 billion, or trill, is it trillion? Trillion dollars in debt. Brethren, we don't have we don't have two pennies to rub together. All we have is a bunch of debt and a bunch of credit. Now, I believe in this. If you owe me any money, pay me. Because if I owe you money, I'm going to try to pay you. And if I can't pay you, I'm going to work, try to work with you and let you know ahead of time that I'm not going to be able to meet my debt. But we owe every country in America or, or in the world that will give us any credit. And we just keep printing money and printing money and printing money. I'm telling you, Jeremiah looked at the city and he said to, to them, he said, you had an abundance, but it's all gone now. And brethren, we in America are broke. Did you know that if we ever pay our debt off or if we were to pay it tomorrow, it would cost every living American in America over $100,000 each to pay off the national debt and to get us to where we're out of debt? We're not really doing as good as some would have us to think. But by the grace of God, you and I have a hope in God, and we know that the very worst anything can turn out is we go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus in a mansion that's already paid for, and there's no mortgage payment, no insurance payment, no light bill, glory to God, and the septic tank won't ever mess up in heaven. Amen. Isn't that good? We have something to praise God over, yet we are living at the same way that they were living, and the fact is that they had lost their abundance. Look at verse number two. Her allies are lost. What does it say? She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. Did you know that today in the world we live in, 
America would be hard-pressed to have any allies at all that would come to our aid whatsoever. We have such weak leadership that anybody, and we owe so much, we don't live within our means, we tolerate anything, we're nothing but a, a, a bunch of hot air for the most over, uh, overall part, and we have lost our allies. There was a time in the world we live in that when America stood up and made a stand somewhere, people would come and, get, and nations would come and gather around us. That's not here anymore, folks. We have lost our allies. We have the poorest in leadership you can imagine, and the world looks at us as though we are nothing. Verse number three says, she lost her resting place. Her resting place is lost. America at one time was a place that you could enjoy life. Today, you're, you're, you're apt, to, apt, apt to be in trouble. I, I heard the news just the other day where on Easter weekend, I think it was in Kansas, kind of a tradition where people would go to certain lakes and they would camp out over the, uh, the Easter weekend. They're now having to have armed guards go and surround the campsites in order for the people to take their families, go there, and enjoy any time together because we have come to the place that America is so restless and so involved in ungodliness and killing and stealing and hurting people, there is no rest in America. You and I have no rest. You, you can't get up tomorrow and enjoy a good cup of coffee and listen to the news without some, something upsetting you and causing you to worry about your family, about your job, about your country, about your neighbors. It's on every side. Listen to what he said in verse number four. He says, the ways of Zion do mourn because none come to the solemn feast. All her gates are desolate. Her priests slight, her, her, her princes sigh, her virgins are afflicted, and she is in bitterness. What he's saying is her happiness is gone. There was a time that the roads coming into Jerusalem and on the feast days and, and on Passover time, they were filled with people coming and going, coming and going. And Jeremiah is sitting there on the side of the, the, the rock and he's looking. There's nobody in the roads. Nobody's in the streets. They've all left. There is no feast days. There's no happiness. There's no celebration. There's no joy because nobody is coming and nobody is leaving the city. It is desolate. And the people are scattered everywhere. And Jeremiah sees that and he begins to weep over it because it is literally breaking his heart. In verse number five, it's, he says that her prestige is lost. Listen to what he says. Her adversaries are the chief. Her enemies prosper. For the Lord hath afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Can you stop and look at the transgressions of America and not know that God is doing something? I'm telling you that our prestige 
is gone. Nobody looks up to America anymore. In fact, the terrorists are coming in, shooting our servicemen in recruiting station, and the commander-in-chief of the United States of America says, you cannot arm yourself, but he had a great solution to the problem. He said, don't wear your uniform. Duh. I mean, anybody ought to know that if they're out to shoot soldiers, if you look like you're a woman in a, in a house coat, you won't get shot. That was his answer to the whole thing. I'm telling you that America is in a mess. In verse number 6, he says, Her majesty is lost. There was grandeur. There was majesty about being an American. I never traveled a whole lot overseas, but I have been told by people that there was a time not many years ago when you went overseas and you were American, everybody loved you. They liked you. They wanted your money. They were there. I mean, whenever Americans flashed money, buddy, people stood up and paid attention because our dollars were worth something. Our majesty is gone. Nobody pays us any attention. You'll remember what your commander-in-chief said to the president of Turkey. He said, we are not a Christian nation. He said, we're not a Jewish nation. We're not a Muslim nation. We're a nation of people connected with some ideas and a set of rules. And all of our majesty is about gone. And folks, we need to see God bring it back. But it has to begin with us on our faces before God, asking God's forgiveness of our sins and the sin of our nation and turning our head back to God. In verse number 7, her worship is lost. Listen to what it says. Jeremiah, uh, Jerusalem remembered in the days of her affliction and her ministry all her pleasant things that she had in the, in the days of old when her people fell into the hand of the enemy and none did help her. The adversaries saw her and did mock at her Sabbath. There was a time that Jeremiah says, the world looked at us and saw our Sabbath day and saw us worshiping God. And they envied and they wanted to worship. They wanted to see worship in the place of God. Our nation was built upon a firm belief in the word of God and the principles of God's word. All of that's about gone. Today, it is hard to tell a difference in many places between Sunday and Thursday. There is no respect for the day that is set aside as God's day. I, I've been reading through the Old Testament again uh, on this trip that we've been on, and it is amazing to me at how God over and over emphasizes the importance of the Sabbath day, of the day of worship, and even God himself, he said, I worked for six days, I rested on the seventh day. It is a day of worship. But Jerusalem and Judah had seen all of that vanish, and it broke the heart of Jeremiah. I wonder tonight, does it ever break our heart at the way the people have no respect for God, have no respect for church, and folks, even in this building, 
if you don't keep the doors locked, people will come in here and steal everything in here. They will desecrate this house of God and make mockery of the things of God. It's not something to be unconcerned about. It is something to be concerned about. The temple and the worship of God needs to be followed through with. Verse 21 says, there is none to comfort me. Jeremiah says, I, I, don't, I don't find any comfort. I, I think if you look at verse 9, verse 16, and verse 17, he says basically the same thing. Even in verse 2, he says the same thing. There is none to comfort me. Folks, where do you go to find comfort? Where do you go to feel like that everything is going to be okay? I'll tell you, the only place there is, you get in the house of God. Because there's something special about when you walk through those doors and you come in here and you see God being honored. You see people with a smile on their face. You see people that had no hope now have hope. You see people that have hope bringing people that have no hope and introducing them to the hope that all of us need. And that is life in Jesus Christ. When you come into the house of God, there is comfort. But there's not much comfort anywhere else. The church is the only hope that America has. And we ought to stand up for the word of God and the things of God. Not only the grief that is expressed, but the, the, grief, the guilt that was experienced. I think that Jeremiah was asking, why is the lost here? Why are we where we're at? And it was very simple. They would not heed the preaching of the word of God. They would not listen to the preaching of the word of God. And they would not take heed to it as they should. Whatever you do, folks, let me encourage you. Every time you get an opportunity, you be here in God's house. You, you come and you sit. You open your heart and your mind. You get the things that you're involved in off your mind. And you open up and ask the Holy Spirit of God to teach you the things that you need. Just like every sermon that your preacher preaches. Every point may not ring your bell. But somewhere during that sermon, God will ring your bell with the word of God if you'll listen. Just come in and enjoy the preacher. Don't come in, sit down looking for the time that he's going to let you out. But come in here comfortable and Let's listen to the things of God. He said, there's none to comfort me. There is no better comfort than the comfort of the word of God. And you need to be involved in it. If you have group time together, you ought to be with your small group. You ought to be there. You ought to be a part of it. You ought to take interest in it. You ought to invite other people. You ought to get them involved. Because I'm telling you, this world does not have the answer. What does he say? What are we to do? We are to confess our sins. Listen to uh, uh, Lamentation 1, 8 says. She is naked like a prostitute. In, uh, in verse 9 and 10, you can let the, the, the heathen come in. He says they will have sin brought in of every kind you can imagine. Listen to what he said. In, in chapter 1 and verse number 8. Jerusalem hath grievously sinned. Therefore, 
she is removed all that honored her, despise her, because they have seen her nakedness. Yea, she slideth and turn, she slideth and turneth backwards. Her filthiness is in her skirts. He says that the nation of Judah and the city of Jerusalem is like a prostitute that is become filthy with her prostitution. And folks, we have all but prostituted everything America stood for. We will sell our souls at the cost of being politically correct. And we'll let people run over and desecrate the things of God. And it ought not to be. Listen to verse 12. It is nothing to you, all ye that pass by. Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. Jeremiah is saying, I wonder if there's anybody else that feels what I feel, that recognizes where we're at in our relationship with God. It ought to bring us to a point in our lives that we confess our sins before God and ask God's forgiveness. Listen to verse 18. That he says, the Lord is righteous. Do you know that confession and getting right with God, first thing you need to do is recognize God's right. God's right. Sin will send your soul to hell. God's right. That's that's what's going to happen. God is right. You say, well, I I don't agree with everything the Bible says. I don't care whether you agree with it or not. God's right. You are wrong. When you disagree with the word of God, buddy, you're wrong. But my grandma didn't think that. I I don't care what your grandma is. She may have been a good biscuit maker and great on dumplings. But if she don't believe the word of God, she's headed in the wrong direction. And she's carrying you that way. And Jeremiah said, isn't there anybody that feels what I feel? Isn't there anybody that sees what I see? Isn't there anybody that's waking up like God's waking me up? Something needs to be done. And Jeremiah begins to ask the question. He says, God is righteous, for I have rebelled against his commandment. Hear, I pray you, all people, and behold my sorrow, my virgins, and my young men are gone into captivity. Brethren, we are living in a time where we are losing the battle with our young people and with those that are Uh, just coming up in this world because the devil is playing havoc with them. I just want to leave you with this thought. Jeremiah is pleading, I think, in the book of Lamentation, five chapters. This one, he's pointing out the sin. And he's saying the sin is that the word has been preached, but the people won't listen. He said, the guilt is and the sorrow is, I can name you over and over and over, he says, the things that it has cost us as a nation. And finally, it had brought Jerusalem to the ground, and there was no more temple, no more place of worship. They never thought it would happen because they were oblivious to what was really going on. 
Jeremiah says, open your eyes, see what's around you, and let God begin to speak to your heart. And he says that's the only comfort that we have. It's the only hope that we have. And folks, tonight, the only hope that any of us has is our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I do thank you tonight for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for the time that we have had together. God, I can't imagine how Jeremiah must have felt as he sat there and he saw the whole nation scattered out of fellowship in ruin, and it broke his heart. God, there's probably somebody in this building tonight that could make a big difference if we would just wake up and see the responsibility that we have and we do our part. Help us to listen. Help us to care. Teach us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Preacher. Amen. amen. Let's give the Lord praise and glory. Amen. <clears throat> of the message, uh, and, and we all get encouraged, and we all like to hear from God, and we all like to study God's Word, and, and, uh, but when, when everything starts to become clear, when God's Word is unveiled, and, and, and God starts opening our eyes to our country is what we just read, there's a few things that happen. One is fear. One is fear, because... Like preacher said, if God judged Israel, God will judge America. And then, and then the second thing is not only fear, but sadness. And when you begin to talk about the way things used to be, and I, I'm a young man, and things are so much different than when I was there. And it makes you sad. And boy, I begin to think, wow, what do we do? What do we do? I don't, you know, we, we can vote, we can do all of these things, but we do know, we do know God said in the last days, perilous times shall come. So one thing we're not going to do is be surprised. Y'all with me say amen? We're not going to be surprised. Number two, we're not going to be dismayed. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Number three, we're not going to be distracted. We've got a job to do. You say, well, what can we do about all this? i tell you what you can do. You can bring somebody with you Sunday. The more people we win to Christ, and the more people we teach them to win to Christ, the multiplication factor will blow your mind. And all God's people said, I want to change the country. Well, you can't change your country until you change the state. You can't change the state until you change your community. You can't change your community until you change your church. But we can make a difference. If 120 can turn the world upside down in the book of Acts, this church, what we have and what God's doing here, we can turn Coleman upside down. It's got to start somewhere. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand. Let's stand. And, and we need to hurry up and pray and dismiss. Go get your young before it starts raining again. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for...